Welcome to Maybe You're Interested, a weekly podcast where we discuss topics in culture, questions from scripture, or things that we just find humorous or interesting. This podcast is brought to you by Northview Church in Kodak, Tennessee, and you can reach out to us anytime by visiting our website at www.mynorthview.church. Thanks for joining us. And now, on to this week's episode. Well, hello, and welcome to Maybe You're Interested, a podcast of Northview Church. And I'm joined this week, as always, by Mr. Jesse Kate. Give a big shout-out, Mr. Jesse. Hey, how's it going? That felt like a pretty big shout-out. Yeah, that felt, that felt pretty big. <laughs> that was anticlimactic. Okay. <laughs> and we have a special newbie to the table tonight, Mr. Zaven Gregg. Uh, how you doing, Zaven? Pretty good. A little nervous, but I'm doing pretty good. What are you nervous about it? We are know, listened man. to by thousands. I watched the th- last one. I know exactly how many watched. <laughs> yeah. Hey, we we actually had some pretty good listenership last week. Yeah, we did. So yeah. We made a lot of people mad, I think. So anyways, I don't think we're going to make anybody mad tonight. It's a pretty good topic. But before we jump into that, let's learn a little bit about Zave and Tell us something about yourself, man. Well, I'm only 24, getting ready to get married in about a year. Uh... Not really anybody special. I really got much special about me. So, I thought you were saying you're not marrying somebody special. Oh, yeah. oh, no. oh no, yeah. we're gonna start yeah. this over. <laughs> you can edit though, yeah. right? Uh, not if you say that. We're gonna leave that in there actually and send it straight to her. <laughs> but now we've got mid forties, almost. He's only still got a month. Early thirties and young twenties. So we got a great demographic going here. Yeah. We do. Now we need your dad on here and get old. <laughs> yeah. yeah, he'd have to. He'd fit into the 60s bracket. We get Jones in the 50s. Wow, your dad's just 60? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Anyways, so let's jump right into today's topic. And we're going to talk about how you love your neighbor. But we're going to talk about um, specifically how do you love your neighbor who hates your faith. So the first question I've got on the list here is, First of all, how do we even get motivated to love our neighbors, no matter what? Do, do you know your neighbors, Jesse? You just moved in like no. what, a week ago? Yeah. Uh, two I, weeks ago? I do not like know that. my neighbors. Um, and there are – we have one set of neighbors that are out literally all hours of the night. So this is going to be awesome. Um, but I think – What do you mean out? I mean, they're just out they're in their yard. Yeah, their, no, okay. they're out in their yard. They have tents set up. It's a, Really? It's a weird thing, yeah. So if they're listening to this, I don't know what address they're on on Flint Gap Road, but you know, wrap that thing up. It's it's getting kind of late. We yeah, need Jesse's putting in a pool. Though. You're welcome in. to come hang out at his house anytime. Yeah, yeah. we're not putting in a pool. <laughs> <laughs> but um, to answer your question, how do we get motivated to love our neighbors no matter what? Um, I think that's one of those things that as Christians, you know, we say a lot of things that sound really easy, like love your neighbor as yourself. Yeah but are truly some of the hardest things to do. And not only, you know, it's hard enough for us sometimes to love our neighbors that share the same faith. And, you know, whenever you throw in those that don't, um, you know, it can be difficult and uh, they don't have a lot of times the same worldviews as we do um, or see things the same way that we see them. So, I mean, it can be a very hard thing. And it's something, like I said, you know, is easy for us to say, but kind of hard for us to do. Amen. 
How about you? How do you get motivated to love your neighbors no matter what? <laughs> well, Jesse kind of brought up a point. He was talking about sometimes we have to. it's hard to love the neighbors that believe the same way as us or have the same yeah. faith. In all honesty, sometimes I think it's easier to believe the people that don't believe the same way and be able to love those easier because that's interesting at least you got an excuse <laughs> yeah i've been a lot of different places been went around a lot of different people been around a lot of different believers and some of them can get under my skin deeper than others can yeah. you know you say that and i've not thought about it recently but the the best neighbor i ever had when we lived in knoxville um was a muslim and he was a fantastic neighbor um he was always willing to help out always friendly did he we, weed eat around his property yeah that's how i define a good he, neighbor he took good care of his property <laughs> yeah. we had a tree fall one night in a storm middle of the night fell across the road almost hit his car um and rather than get mad and wonder why i had a tree in his driveway he came out and helped us clean it up so yeah, that's awesome hey, he was a he was a great neighbor and now i've lived in i hate to admit this i've lived in our current home for uh, i think 15 years now and we know like three people on the street <laughs> nobody ever comes out of their house including us <laughs> sounds like a great neighborhood and, and when we come out of our house we're sitting on our back deck we don't actually see many people so yeah, yeah i'm probably not the best example of how to how to love your neighbor but does it have to be your neighbor you know um, I, I saw a thing recently where you define neighbor as someone who lives within eight doors of your house but is that really how we should define neighbor as Christians in today's world? How do you define neighbor? I think it's really anybody that, I mean, we're all living on the same world, living in the same community. Some people are literally just, like you said, eight doors down from us. But I think it's anybody that we come in contact with is what the version of neighbor is saying is just anyone you come in contact with, whether it's the lady that's bagging up your lady or man bagging up your groceries at the store or whether it's the people you work with because i mean i'm with the people i work with maybe once a week but i know some people are have the same people they're around every week and i think that those fall under neighbors as well i don't think it's just a yeah. physical location at all yeah your old house if you went eight doors down you'd been on the interstate right <laughs> yeah pretty much yeah <laughs> there weren't a lot of people going no there, there weren't yeah so. there weren't but they still found their way back there i guess so. yeah, i guess so so how do, how do you define neighbor jesse yeah i think uh much to zavin's point you know i think that uh people that we come into contact with day in and day out um and whether that's you know like he said at the store through the drive-through wherever that may be um, I think that we're tasked as Christians um, to show God's love to everybody that we come in contact with. Yeah. Um, and if that means you need to think about those people as your neighbor or however you want to define it, um, I, I think that um, people that you're regularly in contact with and really even people that you're not regularly in contact with, people that you just see out. So that means I do not have to go weed eat my neighbor's yard. I mean – I don't know how bad it looks, but it sounds like if you're bringing it up, you might need to. No, my, my close neighbors are fine. There's some. Never mind. They might yeah. watch this. I don't know. I have no idea if they watch this or not. Hey, where'd our timer go? Anyways, we'll get to that in a minute. So uh, here's a question as we talk about this idea of how should a Christian love our neighbors mm -hmm. um, no matter what. Uh, you claim this is not a word. Uh, before we started this tonight it's a sketchy word it's a sketchy i mean word. it is a word but it's still a word yeah, whether it is it's a sketchy word. or not yeah um the professionalization of ministry uh, when i say professionalization i think you know what i mean what do i mean zavin 
I almost agree with Jesse. I don't really 100% believe it's a word. But <laughs> Why did we have you on this podcast? Uh, what I mean by that, and it is a word because it was in spell check. Yeah, no, I looked it up before we got on here. All so right, it so word. it's definitely yeah. a word. Yeah. Uh, when we talk about the profe- professional, I can't even say the word, maybe it's not, professionalization of ministry, mm-hmm. you know, we're talking about the guys that are paid to do it. Yeah. Like myself, I'm, I'm a paid pastor. That's what I do for a living. And how how has that affected how we love our neighbor? Because in my experience, most churches – I wouldn't say we're that way, but we might get that way. I mean, we're new. We're still growing. I don't know how that's going to end up. Yeah. Um, but most churches rely on the pastoral staff to do all of the loving of the neighbors and not so much yeah. of themselves doing it. So what's your thoughts? Has has the professionalization of ministry kept us from loving our neighbors? I think that uh, a lot of that depends on the church that you go to and the church family that you're a part of. Um, I think that I think that people, and you know, I don't want to separate people into different groups, but I think that people that kind of go to like the mega churches and, and places like that, I think that more times than not, and I, I just think that they go to blend in and to not have I've to serve. There. I did yeah. it for that reason. Yeah. And, uh, you know, Megan and I have uh, never really been able to yet, but we haven't got to the point where we're, like, burnt out on anything. We mean, yeah, you're stuck here for the rest (laughs) of your life. (laughs) Yeah, that is a good point. But, um, you know, I think it depends on on what your church setting is and kind of what your pastor um, is teaching, and not only the pastor, but the elders and people like that. Um, I think that uh, I think that people go to bigger churches to kind of blend in and not have to serve and kind of put things on the pastor. And I know, you know, you've shared with me before that, um, you know, people have come up to you and said, "Hey, Pastor Greg, you know, I need uh, I need you to come out here and talk to my neighbor with me." And yeah. you know, he's having uh, he's having a crisis, and I need you out here. Well, you know, I th- I think that uh, I think that people get that wrong so many times. I mean. God has called us as Christians to be able to disciple, and I mean it doesn't it doesn't end with the pastor or the pastoral staff in yeah. that regard. Um, yeah. I think that we as Christians need to take that responsibility on ourselves to be able to witness and and do those different things. Yeah. So. One thing that drives me nuts, you just brought it up, so I'm going to mention it, is when people come up to me and say, "Hey, can can you you know visit my relative in the yeah. hospital?" or they don't know the Lord, or can you pray for them? I'm like. I'm absolutely cool with that. I'd be happy to visit. I'd be happy to share the gospel with them. Of course, I'm going to pray for them. But are you? Yeah. I mean, are you sharing the gospel with them? Now, I know from personal experience, when it's family, sometimes it's hard to share the gospel. So so maybe that's a little bit of the dynamic. But don't ask me to pray if you're not going to. Yeah. I mean, I'm still going to. But you should be doing it too. <laughs> yeah. Especially you. So what's your thoughts? How do you think you, I mean, you've been around ministry. Your dad's been in ministry. You've dabbled in ministry and maybe have a future in ministry. Um, Maybe, who knows, but (laughs) what's your thoughts? Well, I've been around a lot to different churches and my, like, like you said, my dad's been in youth ministry and my stepmom's been in youth ministry for years, ever since I guess I was a little kid. And, We've had our run in. We've never been to like kind of like what you mentioned, like a mega church. We've yeah. always been in the small little country churches mm-hmm. to, I mean, decent sized churches. That's You're in a mega church now. 
Yeah. We hit 97 a couple of weeks ago. That's, Ew. that's pretty big. That's pretty good, though. <laughs> yeah. But the thing is, is I was raised by my dad and Joy, and uh, <laughs> they're a couple of hippies, in all complete <laughs> honesty. So they're, they're love, peace, and everything, like love everybody. So I've, I've got that kind of on my side. How, so how, how hippie are they? I mean, are we talking purple Dad's got long purple hair. Haze? Kind of hippie? I'd probably go close to that. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. We and just let him join the church. <laughs> <laughs> but so I was raised all about, like, love is number one overall. Like, yeah. love your neighbor. Love the people you come in contact with. Love the people you can't stand sometimes, even though that's the hard part. And I know that I've been in churches and stuff where, like you said, a lot of this stuff gets pushed off onto pastors or the leadership yeah. or – anything like that but it kind of falls into this weird realm where also i can be in a church and i can see where it's almost like the church itself the people inside of it want it to be a certain way they want to make it this take it in this direction that they see fit and the way that they want it done and the, yeah. and there's no way around it and it will get to the point where people are talked about behind their backs people are not necessarily like kicked out but encouraged to leave i've seen this happen numerous times because of the way that they want to handle things yeah and in my mind i said i think like i said earlier i said sometimes i think it's harder to love people who are but the believers in the same way is that's the way i see it is i don't know if i think it falls a lot more than just it being the what was the word you use? Professionalization of ministry. Uh, I think that it falls a lot. I think the pastor, not only like like you said, you're not the one who's supposed to be the only one that does the praying, that does right. the visiting, that does the encouraging. But I think that you also fall in as an example, and you're oh, supposed yeah. to resemble that to the people. Mm-hmm. Now, like Jesse said, I mean, you go into some of these big churches and stuff, and I've been in that position too where I'm just there to blend in. I don't want responsibilities. Mm. I don't want things to do. Mm. I just want to go to church on Sunday, get my fill, and leave. I've been there. And I think that those people, that that's the point that they are there for, I think that they can be loved out of it. I think that it can be something to where, as a Christian, we can go in with this lifestyle that we live right and taking like from what you said like using you as the example and like you go out and pray for people you go and visit people and i think that if you encourage i mean heck even ask somebody go hey jesse would you come with me and go pray for this person or would you come with me to go talk to this person Mm -hmm. and i think that teaching in that way would definitely change a whole dynamic of people (laughs) I think would show them a lot and especially for someone like me who has been just the youth pastor's kid his entire yeah. life yeah. I was kind of I kind of got to be a part of some of those things when my dad would go and talk to a troubled youth or someone who was really dealing with something like that or and I was close to all the pastors I was with so I'd been in the hospitals with my dad and the pastor and stuff and so I got that view from that point but I'm like I've always thought how great would it have been for somebody who wasn't just the pastor's kid or the youth pastor's kid, but bring someone in who's just wants to love God mm. and that just wants to love people and go, come with me. 
Yeah. Let me show you. That's and cool. Teach yeah. you. Yeah. Sounds like he's blaming me. Does yeah, I mean, you are a problem. So you're the lead deacon, man. <laughs> Did you say only deacon? Thus, the lead deacon. <laughs> Can I say one thing on the professionalization? Uh, I yes, I thought we were really past quick. that. I know, I know. Um, so I, I don't know what this is, and this I, I feel like this is a pretty sensitive thing. But you know, whenever I think of the prof- professionalization of ministry. I think of people like um, Joel Olstein and like people like that. That I don't call that ministry. I know, but hear me <laughs> out. Um, but I think of people like that who try to take advantage of and make as much money as they can out of that situation. Yeah. Um, and I think one thing that uh, Megan and I have talked about a, a lot of different times, and um, you know, we're not we're not at the point in like either of our ministries necessarily. Megan more so than me and the youth, but where. Even if we were to be offered money, we wouldn't want to take it mm-hmm. just because we – that's a gift to us to be able to serve. Yeah. And and we don't want to – we wouldn't want to take um, any of the money from the church to, to serve in the capacity that we do. But um, I, I just – I don't know. That's something that we – me and Megan have talked about a lot, and I think you and I have talked about yeah. that mm-hmm. too. And um, I just – I wanted to bring that up too. Yeah. Well, moving on to the – are we moving on? Do we yeah, want to no, talk about it. the definition of professionalization? <laughs> Should everybody say it one more time before we – I'm three. just kidding. One, two <laughs> – no, we're not going to do that. So anyways, <laughs> so moving on, uh, to get a little deeper into the topic, we're kind of in a society right now that is increasingly growing hostile to what we believe, what our yeah. faith is, um, what we stand for, our, our – our worldview, our set of moral values. It's even coming to the point where it's beginning to alter, um, especially the younger generation of Christians, where their worldview is starting to even kind of conform to the worldview of the outside, the secular world. Yeah. Uh, how You know, they, they tell us people outside of the faith will tell us that we are intolerant because of our moral stances. They'll tell us that we're hateful. Um, that we're not a, a welcoming, that we are um, exclusive, we're all about exclusivity, keeping people out. How do we respond to someone who says that our faith is intolerant or says that our faith is hateful or says that our faith is trying to, to block certain people from being a part of it? I, I think probably sometimes um, – you know, it's fair to say that that it's intolerant or hateful, and the reason that I say that is because you know their impression of our faith is not the faith; it's the people that live out the faith, and those people that live out that faith. We are imperfect humans. I make mistakes every day. I'm sure you guys do too. I, Greg always gets on to me whenever I say that he makes mistakes every day. But um, you know, we're we're imperfect humans, and you know, we serve a perfect God. Um, we strive to be more and more like that every day, but we're never going to be perfect, um, and, and we're never going to be able to, to meet that standard. But um, I think, to me, um, I just – I think that um, whenever somebody does call her intolerant or um, hateful, I just don't agree with that. I mean, I see – you know, we come to church every Sunday, and we see um, just a community of people that – um, started as you know a small group from Mount Harmony and now has grown into um, how many partners do we have now? 
I have no idea. A lot. <laughs> a lot more <laughs> than we started yeah. with. Yeah, a lot more that we started with. But um, it's just, you know, I, I think that people have so many um, preconceived notions about church, too, that they don't want to step in the door and see, you know, kind of what I see on Sunday mornings. And it's just a community of people really loving on each other and really interested in what's going on in their lives. Kind of talking about what you, you said at the beginning of that, I, I mentioned as we started this question, we're in a world that's increasingly hostile to the faith, but you kind of bring up a point. Many of us in the faith are increasingly hostile to the world, yeah, and that's probably primarily what the problem is, yeah. because the voices that the outside world hears are the loud voices, yeah. and, and much of what's being spoken by so-called Christians nowadays is an is not a, a, a speech that's a loving speech. No. Um, th- there's a difference in tolerance and acceptance, I believe. Um, and we do have moral standards that we yeah. we cannot accept, but we still have to love those people. Yeah. Um, and you see that example from Jesus. I mean, yeah. Jesus, he was hanging out with prostitutes. He was hanging out with tax collectors who were hated at the time. He was hanging out with thieves. I mean, he, he was hanging out with people who we don't yeah. <laughs> like and who we speak against and you know i've said before the world knows what we hate more than they know what we love yeah um so how do we respond to that though i mean that's a problem we can't fix tonight but how can we respond to that in our community in our context with these this outside group of people who see that and assume we're like that and and the door's already shut to to us because of what has happened maybe to them can i share a story yeah so i had a friend in high school that well hold on hold on he had a friend in high school <laughs> i had a lot of friends in high school Greg. Unlike awesome. you maybe he's kind of mean yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I was a little bit of a introvert but go ahead well i had a friend in high school and every, before i went there i was raised in a totally different community so i knew nobody except for maybe one or two people when i came and I became decent friends with this guy, and he was a devout atheist. And, I mean, he hated God. That's a weird term, devout atheist. I know what you mean, but that's just a weird way to express that. <laughs> professionalization, Greg. Yeah, yeah I got you. I got you. <laughs> but so, and everybody there knew it, too. It wasn't just me, and it wasn't something that he hid. He was out there. And the thing was, too, was he wasn't just – just decided one day that he was going to be atheist he was raised in church his parents were leaders in the church so he was raised believing and learning the way that we taught and he one day just decided to stop well me and him became friends and this is when i was really really young in my faith and really young and in becoming a christian and i was saved but i didn't have that much knowledge but i like I said earlier, I said I was raised by a bunch of hippies. So I was raised just to love. Yeah. So, I mean, we didn't hang out every weekend or anything. We never really hung out outside of school, but I'd spend time talking to them or we'd eat lunch together or we'd be around each other and we'd make conversation. And there was one day in our homeroom class where one of our other students who was a Christian and was not afraid to flaunt that <laughs> and – him and my friend got into an argument and it became instead of it being an opportunity to witness it became a debate and it 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 got to the point where the one guy was saying that you're going to go to hell 
that just because of the way you believe he's like how in the world can you believe this way and then my friend would respond well how in the world can you believe this way this that yeah. and the other at the end of that conversation i i kind of stopped it because i got frustrated yeah. <laughs> and i told my friend the one that was yelling at him the one that was the christian and I told him, I said, this is not the way that you handle this. I said, this is not the time. I said, this is not the place. I said, you're just yeah. doing it right now just because you're frustrated, you're mad. I said, this is not the place. Later on that same day, my buddy came to me and he goes, hey, man, he goes, he goes, I'm not saying that I'm like changing the way I believe or anything. He goes, but I appreciate you doing that. He goes, he goes that's the way that Christians have always been to me yeah. growing up. Wow. And I kind of felt like, in a sense, that that was kind of what you said is yeah. that's the example that most Christians set for those people, those non-believers or yeah, the people that is. are against God. And the worst part was was he was raised in it, and yeah. he still says they're still all that same way. Yeah. and He's not wrong. No, not at all. And so from just from that experience, I think that I had a – I would like to think that I had an impact on him because, sure. I mean, no, there wasn't the times where we sat. This kid was like an A plus 4.0 GPA student, way over my head. <laughs> so, but so we never really had theological talks and right. biblical talks. I mean, we talked a little bit um, enough for me to know why he believed the way he believed. But I just was a was a friend to him, and right. I was just someone he could vent to, and. Even though we had different beliefs and believed different ways, we still got along. And I think it, in that stance, me, me also being so young as well, I think I like to think that I made an impact in his life because it makes me feel like I wasn't, at least I wasn't sitting there tearing him apart and ripping him to shreds, throwing him to the dogs like yeah. the other yeah. situation. But I showed him love in the sense of just being there and just saying, listen, I don't care what you believe. I don't care how you believe. I don't care why you believe it. It's just the fact of I love you and I want to be around you and I want to help you. And, I mean, me and him don't talk really that much anymore. We haven't for a few years. But I just – that experience was something that really impacted me yeah. to want to be different than what the world perceives us to be. Wow, yeah. So kind of following up what we've been talking about there for a second, um, can we take a, a moral position on something, a, a stand on things that we believe are unbiblical ways of life, and still show love to people? Yeah, I think so. Um, How? Well, I think um, you were talking, and I forget the terminology you used just a minute ago. It was acceptance, and what was the other? Tolerance and acceptance? Yeah, tolerance and acceptance. That's what I said, yes. Yeah. <laughs> See, I'm so, Zavin is I really. I knew he was here for a Yeah. <laughs> he's bringing some really nice stuff to this podcast. Remember mid-40s. <laughs> it's gone, That's man. right. Did you time. like how I threw in the mid, too? Like, I could have just said 40s, yeah. but I threw in the mid. Yeah, jerk. Anyways, <laughs> go ahead. <laughs> but um, anyways, I, I guess one of the things that I think about and uh, one of the more prevalent things that I think people ask the church about um, is homosexuality. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I don't agree with, with that lifestyle, but that doesn't mean that I need to look down on them or not love them. Um, they're living in sin. Um, I sin probably every day. So um, now I think the 
the big difference there is that they are continually living in that sin where you know you or I or Zayvon would ask for repentance and and kind of go that route. Um, but I don't think that's an excuse to to not love somebody. I don't yeah. think you know you gave the illustration of Jesus earlier hanging out with uh, prostitutes and tax collectors. Um, you know, I think if Jesus ran across a, a homosexual person, I don't think that would stop him from showing them his love. Yeah. You know, before I became a pastor, I was working in the entertainment business, and you know, homosexuality is rampant, obviously, but it's not just that. It's all kinds of different unbiblical lifestyles. Yeah. And I'm still friends with, with those a lot of the people that I I worked with back then. I still love them. They're still I count them as close personal friends. Um, they know that I'm a Christian. That they know what I believe, but it's it's not an issue between us. And I, I hope that that I can at some point win them to Christ. But and to be honest with you, with you, a lot of them claim that they're Christians. They're still living in those lifestyles, and not just homosexuality. Other sure unbiblical things that that people are doing. And still claiming they're Christian, and, and maybe they are. I'm, I'm not one to say they're not. Um, at some point, there has to be fruit. Yeah. Um, but that's a topic for an, uh, another another day, I think. Uh, what's your thoughts? Can you take a stand on a moral position and still love? I think that absolutely you can because I believe, like, I mean, y'all were talking about homosexuality and talking about sin and people living in sin. I think that before a person is is saved, they kind of get they're in this place where it's it's sin, it's their life. It at that point there is no God really involved in their life until He calls them to be part of to be His His child, to be saved. And I think that I mean, even like you were talking about Jesus. Look at Jesus. I mean, He had His moral stance on everything. He had His position set in stone. Yeah. Yeah. There was no wavering from Him. But he never avoided those people. He never, yeah. never kept the gospel from them. Never didn't do anything for them. I mean, you never hear him going up to somebody to a blind person and going, "Hey, turn away from your life, and then I'll heal you." He healed them yeah. and then asked them, like, it would either give them the gospel or whatever it was that he did. Yeah. But you never heard him pretty much critique their life and tear and judge them for the way that they were and then do something for them right he he showed them love and he showed them care he showed them that i mean there was the religious people there was the pharisees the sadducees and all them that were there that he could have easily just went to them and he could have he could have probably got along with them if he would have went to them to the start and they probably wouldn't have killed him like they did yeah but he went to the people who those the who were not the religious people who are not the people that took that stance. And he said, you know what, I'm going to show these people the love, and they're going to be the ones that spread it from here out. So, yeah, yeah, I think that you can absolutely have a moral position and believe that something is wrong, but still love the person that may be committing that act or that – or the group of people that's committing that act. I mean, we're taught to love the the sin or hate the sin. That's the way I've always been raised. Yeah, yeah. And, and there's truth to that. What I've always, kind of always, my philosophy has been, well, number one, we always point a magnifying glass on the sins that we're not guilty of. Yeah. Homosexuality being the biggest one that the church really oh, makes yeah. a big deal out of. Yeah. But we don't make a big deal out of the things we're guilty of. You yeah. know what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, and kind of my, my whole philosophy on it has always been, 
it does not really matter um, what their lifestyle is if they're not Christians. You know, they need the gospel. They don't need me telling them, hey, what you're doing is wrong. Yeah. And, and w- once they accept the gospel and commit their life to Christ, well, then we'll start working on discipleship and let the Lord change their hearts. Yeah. I'm not going to change anybody's heart. Yeah. Um, but the Lord can change them through us and through the things that we're saying. And I think that's how we take a moral position and still show love. We, we have our stances. We know what the Bible says, but we don't claim that our sin's any less than their sin. And we love them by just showing them the gospel and serving them and being there for them and yeah. helping them out. So kind of going off, I said it a minute ago, talking about how Jesus could have went to the Pharisees and the Sadducees. It kind of falls into that whole scenario you were just talking about. I mean, if you read the Bible, you hear, like, Jesus went to the prostitutes, Jesus went mm-hmm. to the tax collectors, Jesus went to the thieves. But you never hear him calling out their lifestyle. But whose lifestyle do you hear him call out? It's the religious the people. The religious people, yeah. the people that are supposed to be followers of God. Yeah. And it's like, I don't know, I thought it was kind of a yeah. weird Because there's point. no point in calling it out. You know, after someone believed in Jesus, he would say, go, sin no more. Mm-hmm. But until that point, I mean, they're, they're dead in sin anyways. What's the point of calling out their sin? Yep. That's the way I've always looked at it, but that's not the way most churches yeah. <laughs> and most church leaders um, would view that. Um, so anyways, so how do we love a neighbor who hates our faith? There's a couple of, of, of passages that, that talk about dealing with people who hate what you stand for. One passage, um, it's mentioned a couple times, but I believe it comes out of Mark 12 um, when it talks about he, Jesus sends out the 72 or 70, depending on which version of, of Scripture you're looking at, but he sends them out to go and minister, and he tells them, go into the towns, share the gospel, tell them the good news, perform miracles, all these good things, heal, um, and if they don't accept you, we'll just kick off the dust off your feet and leave. So that's one way you look at it. Is that how, does that apply to us, for starters? If someone shuts the door on the gospel that we would call a neighbor, um, do we just kick the dust off our feet and leave? Yeah, I think, uh, and I've made this analogy before, so um, I'm in outside sales, and like one of the biggest things that they tell you is, hey, man, you got to have six to ten contacts before you're going to make that first sale. Um, I think it's a lot the same in Christianity. Um, I don't know if there's much point continuing to hammer home on somebody that doesn't want to hear it at that time. Yeah. Um, I think that you take a stance of it and take a look at it as, okay, God's not choosing this to come through me, right? but he's allowing me to lay some groundwork or to lay a piece of the foundation. Hopefully somebody else will come and lay another piece of the foundation whenever. Because, you know, people have things going on in their lives and um, you know, to them, this isn't important stuff. So they are not always going to take time to um, kind of hear you out. But I think that's one thing that I think of a lot is kind of planting a seed um, and other Christians coming along behind me and, and watering that seed. Yeah. Um, and you may not, and you may be one of the waterers. You may not be a planter, but yeah. that's that's what I think of when I hear that. See the con- the part about that scripture that's always kind of got me about the kicking off the dust off your feet. Is it's it doesn't just say kick the dust off your feet. It says kick off kick the dust off your feet to show them and to leave them to their own fate. Yeah. So it's kind of like it's not even for the disciple. 
that's there. It's almost like it's supposed to be for the that community, that city, to show them, hey, we're done. We've done what we can. Yeah. What I what I believe that passage is saying is basically what what we would say today is uh, the the common term we use is I wash my hand of this. You know, it's up to you now, and you go do something else. I think that's what Jesus meant by that. Um, but there are times where, you know. We see, I mean, look at Paul. You know, Paul's going into the, the cities and towns, and they're not accepting of him in all these places, but he's still going and he's not leaving. He's planting churches in those places. So I, I think it really depends on the leading of, of the Holy Spirit. Yeah. Um, the other story that I, I was going to bring up out of Scripture was the parable of the Good Samaritan. Um, Jews and Samaritans hated each other. And Jews hated Samaritans even more, I believe, from the things I read than the Samaritans hated them. And then you have the story of, of this guy who's just laying on the road, you know, who's like unconscious. You know, he, he's injured. He, he can't do anything. And all the what we, you know, what would the example today would be the Christian people, the church people, they're just leaving. They're, they see him there and they're like, don't want to mess with that, don't yeah. want to get involved. And the Samaritan comes along, helps the guy out, takes care of him. But one thing that strikes me about that story is if the Jewish guy had to know what was going on, he would have refused it. He said, don't touch me. He would have rather laid there and died probably than let this Samaritan guy help him. How many times are we the Samaritan um, in in the story where, you know, there's people who are, hurt emotionally spiritually sometimes even physically we have the opportunity to help them to love them to be their neighbor to show them god's love even if it's not pounding them over the head with the gospel just help them and we have the opportunity to do what the samaritan did but we end up being the the jewish people and just walking on by yeah i'd say a lot of times yeah that's hard to admit yeah I got another story, <laughs> if I can share it. Go for it. I got the permission to share this from my dad. So growing up, we had a neighbor who we were we were really good friends with and stuff. And you know, you guys know my dad. My dad's a very he never judges people. Doesn't really care who you are. He'll talk to you anyway. And and so that's the way my dad's always been. And I've always kind of looked up to that. But I remember. He always talked to our neighbor, this guy that we were really close with, had a family and everything. And he told my dad that he was an atheist. He said, don't try to push God on me. Just because that's that's all he pretty much told my dad. He said, that's all I want. Just don't push God on me. Him and my dad became friends for a while. And I don't know the full depth of the story because I wasn't reading their conversations or listening to their conversations that much. I was just a kid. But I watched them become friends to where it was that his kids would come over for pool parties at our house or we would go over to their house or we'd have dinner or we'd see them working together, whether it's on cars or whether it's on the yard or whether it's on something. You just saw them kind of working together. And my dad and me were talking about this, this, this guy last night, and he's like, he just got to the point where he started asking my dad the questions. It wasn't like my dad forced anything on him yeah. or kept read him scripture every day or anything he just one day he just started asking questions 
He said a little bit more time passed because the questions got even more deeper and deeper, and he went from an atheist to an agnostic. He started admitting, okay, maybe there is a God. He goes, but I just don't know what to believe with that. So the questions kept going for, I can't remember how many years that we lived near them, but many, many years went by. And we knew them, and they started. He asked, started asking more questions. They even came to church once or oh, twice. That's awesome. And there was a day that I can't remember what had happened, but I think he ended up in the hospital. And my dad went to the hospital with him, and I think we all went with him, or maybe me and Zach had school, so I think we might have stayed home. But we, they went. Dad went over there, and my dad told me he said the first thing he said, he said, "I want you to pray for me." Mm. He said, "I need you to pray for me." We don't see him anymore. They moved away. I think they moved down to Florida, so we don't ever see them anymore. But to see, for me being young and watching this happen in front of my eyes, like to see a man come from completely denying and completely hating God to get to the point to where he's asking somebody to pray for him and asking the questions and wanting to know more, I think that that's the whole step process, I think, of what we're supposed to do as Christians. I think that we're supposed to meet people where they are. I think that we're supposed to... I think sometimes that we, <laughs> as Christians, I, I've, this is one of the first things I ever told you. I said, you know, I said, for non-believers to come in and or to, to come into church or to listen to us Christians, I said, we sure can sound like we're crazy or something, the stuff we believe. <laughs> I think I used a different word, but I don't think I'll say it on here. <laughs> but, but I'm like, but that's the way that they see us and for us just to go into these conversations or go into these meetings with non-believers or people who don't believe like us or atheists or agnostics and stuff or whoever it is to go in and just like you said to force the scripture on them they're gonna, we're going to sound nuts to them yeah. they're not going to listen to us but they do understand courtesy they understand love they understand being friendly and having a friendship and I think the first thing that we have to do as Christians is we have to, one, respect their stance. Like, I think that sometimes we go in it going, how in the world can you believe there's not a God? How in the world can you not believe that Jesus is God's son? How in the world can you try to fight against this when it's been around for thousands of years? But we never give them the time of day just to get explain to us maybe why they do yeah. and maybe get that point out of the way. Yeah. And then I think the next step in that is just to be a, be friendly, be loving, and just kind of be there for them, whether it's spending time with them, whether it's working with them, whether it's serving them, whether it's encouraging them. And I think, like you said earlier, you said maybe God's not, no, God's not wanting me to do this at this time or me to be the one you just plant the seed. Yeah. That seed gets planted. Yeah. And that, in, in time, the questions will come. And in time, they'll start wondering. And in time, they'll start really looking into maybe what it is we believe because they see something that, like we talked about earlier, sometimes they don't get the best examples of Christians, but here they have this one guy or this one girl that's giving them this example of love and this example of Jesus. And they go, well, what's different about this guy? Why is this one different? And then they start asking those questions, and then – from then on out, it's it's pretty much all God, and at one point, God's gonna I think gonna open up the door for you to be able to witness to them. Do I think that God tells you to go up to the lady that you see every day at the grocery store, and the first time you see her to whip out your Bible and start preaching at her? I I mean maybe I can't say that that's what God's gonna make, not not gonna say what God's gonna make you do, but it's more like 
I think that the showing of the love, the showing of the care, the showing of the respect, I said, I think that it, it comes from there, and that's the seed that's planted. And then from there on out, how it grows is all in God's hands. Our duty is just to continue to love and to continue to share that with them. And then eventually the whole scripture, the gospel and everything come will come in time. Yeah. But just watching that story and watching that play out with my dad and our and his friend was another story of something that really influenced me. Yeah. And that kind of opened my eyes to a lot. Yeah. And I, I think too to that one thing I thought of whenever Zaven was telling that story. Um, I think you know one place that uh, that the church has failed um, a little bit is that whenever Christians are put in those situations, they believe, okay, I'm here. I need to hammer this guy with all the scripture I know, um, with everything that we've learned in Sunday school or whatever it may be. Um, when that's not always the case, yes, it's great to have that knowledge, and you should spend time in the Bible, and you should memorize verses, and um, you should hide it in your heart like the Bible says to do. But at the same time, how much more is accomplished by, like you said, meeting people where they are and loving them as opposed to, you know, and you may be – and that's where I think there's a disconnect from the world too is for a Christian – that may be their form of loving on the outside world is giving them this knowledge that, um, hey, you know, I don't know if you know this, but, you know, if you don't believe in this, this is what's going to happen. And that may be their way of, of loving on somebody, and, and that may be a disconnect. But really, like you said, you got to meet them where they are and, and love them in their lives and, and kind of what they're going through. Yeah. But I, I, I've referenced this story before in a, in a sermon, and you all know who Penn and Taylor are, right? Well, Penn no. is an atheist. I know who they are. Penn is an atheist, <laughs> openly atheist. He he thinks Christians are nuts. Um, but he tells a story of a man who um, came up to him after a show one time and wrote him a note and told him how much he was praying for him and how much he loved mm-hmm. him. And he he was really touched by that. And he said he posted a video. It's been several years. But he posted a bit video in response to that, and, and he, he said – if you really believe what you what, what's in the Bible and you're not loving people and sharing the gospel with them, how much do you really hate them? Yeah. And that that's one thing coming from an atheist that's always stood out to me. Um, it really just comes down. If we ask this question, how do we love a neighbor who hates our faith? Uh, well, I think the first thing we need to realize is it's not – I don't believe it's our faith that they hate. I believe it's the light that is shined on their sin because of our faith. Yeah. Um, that they realize if I if I believe this stuff and let this stuff, then I've got to change, and they don't want to change. Um, I believe that's largely where it comes from. So how do we do it? I think we just do it. You know, it's going, serving, loving them. Um, and I always call it earning the right to share the gospel. You can't just go in pounding them. There, there are times where you can, but you can't go in until they're ready. And when, how we know when they're ready is where our own spiritual disciplines come into play. We have to be in tune with the Holy Spirit's leading on that and just let him kind of take control and speak through us and not try to do the job for him. So you got something you wanted to add there? Oh, no. I was just taking notes. So as we close, I mean, that that is 
what I would say, how do you do it? You just do it. You yeah. know, you you don't use it as an excuse not to love someone who who doesn't appreciate your faith. You show them that you love them no matter what they believe. Um, and one day, maybe you'll earn the right to share the gospel with them. Um, so don't go in trying to beat them over the head with it. Just go in, show them how much the Lord loves them through you. Serve them, be there for them, be there for their family. Exactly what you said in that story you just told. Um, and the Holy Spirit will do his job. It's not our job to, to persuade them. It's the Holy Spirit's job. It's our job to be available. So anything to add before we close? I don't have anything. I think I'm good. Well, thank you all for, for joining us. Uh, I hope that this podcast helped you a little bit tonight. And uh, maybe you've got a neighbor who you're serving who uh, or want to serve and they just don't appreciate what your beliefs are. Um, hopefully this, this helped you out. We'd love to have you come visit us at Northview Church. We're at 340 West Dumplin' Valley Road here in Kodak, Tennessee. Uh, we meet on Sunday mornings at 9 a.m. and 10.30 a.m. And we'd love to have you come hang out with us one Sunday morning and just, just check us out and let us love on you. And if you can't be here in person, maybe you don't live here in East Tennessee, you live in Kodak, uh, all of our every Sunday, our 10:30 a.m. service is broadcast live on Facebook, and we would love to interact with you that way. And um, you can always ask questions of us there. Send us messages. We'd love to get to know you better, whether you can be here in person or not. If you want to reach out to me personally, my email is greg at mynorthview.church, or you can send us a private message on Facebook or. Um, However you, you need to reach out to us, you can jump over to our website, which is mynorthview.church, um, and check us out that way as well. Thank you for being here. Uh, we will be back with you next week with another um, exciting topic, right? Yep. Thanks. See y'all later. See you.